to the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Holy smokes, Batman. It's Gaggle of Geeks on 2SER. So this is actually take two of geese honking. Hi, I'm Sophie. <laughs> and I'm Tali. What was funny is Sophie just played the intro that had Blake Howard in it. And so I was like, oh, Sophie, it's not Blake. It's actually Tali. Do you want me to just pretend to be Blake? And then Sophie looked at me like with the most dead set look. She's like, did I play? And I don't know why she was whispering because she was still in front of the mic. She's like, did I play the Blake one? I was like, yes, you did. <laughs> Production levels high on this show. Woo! <laughs> we well, maybe Blake. Blake is just here in spirit. Yeah, and it's like it was like one of those blood and crips things. It's like we pay honor to our our homie G Blake. <laughs> yeah. Hey Blake. Hey y'all. But this is the show where we talk and dissect of geek and pop culture. Yes, we do, and all the fun things. All of them. Mm. Every single one of them. Where do we start this week, Sophie? Where do we start? Well, let's start with what you're watching on Netflix. Um, when I say watching on Netflix, mm. it's I've watched it now maybe two, three times, which is I think too many times since it's only really? come out two, on. Two, three times? Yes. Well, it's one of those things that I just get so caught up that I can't remember if it's like, I think in my heart, I mm. want to say I've only watched it two times, but I think the reality may even be higher than three. Um, <laughs> I feel really bad because I know what you're talking about and... I've only gotten through 15 minutes of it. It's through no fault of my own, I swear. <laughs> it's the amazing movie to all the boys I've loved before, which is just, I okay, so let me tell you, mm. is I didn't originally start out by going, oh my God, I want to watch this. It was, I went to go have a nap, like I do, because I'm actually 80, um, and it <laughs> came up because it was only released on Friday, as a recommended, do you want to watch this movie? And I said, look, Netflix, go for it. I'm only going to fall asleep after 10 minutes anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Boy, was I wrong, because <laughs> to all the boys I've ever loved is this amazing teen rom-com, which, yes, is very obvious in a rom-com kind of nature because, you know, the characters are like, it's like, oh. There are tropes to follow in a rom-com. Exactly. But this is the thing. It's like, oh, we're going to fake date. And then it turns out, plot twist, we're actually going to fall in love. No one had that kissing. But the great thing about this show, mm. and there are many great things about this show, is one, it's just so pure and it's so lovely. So you don't actually begrudge anything that's happening. And also the author, Jenny Hahn, and I just had to look down to make sure that I got her name right because I've just been changing it in my head. Like <laughs> I have no respect for what she's doing. She originally wrote the young adult fiction to all the boy, boys I've loved before. And essentially what it is, is this young um, Asian American girl, who's quite shy and quite introverted, has problems expressing to boys that she really likes them. Turns out like her mum died, so she doesn't want to let anyone in for fear that they will leave her. Mm. So what she does is whenever she has a crush on a boy, she writes him a letter pretty much confessing how much she loves them, which you can just imagine like if you've ever been infatuated or had a crush on anyone, it's that kind of, oh, I like I imagine you running through a, like a 
field of daisies and I'm running towards you in a white dress. Like it's that kind of... It is movie magic. It is that kind of embarrassment. The problem is, is that because she is not... I don't want to call her a loser because I actually think she's really cool and she's really stylish. Like, okay. So this character is called Lara Jean. Yeah. Yeah. And so... I do actually like, but she is I don't feel a like bit she, of a wallflower. I can't say this because I've only watched 15 minutes and I'm going to blame my really crappy laptop because <laughs> suddenly you just stopped connecting to the internet and then my Netflix just refused to oh. load and it was just like, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. I have so much Netflix, including this to watch. But yeah, but like, she seems like just a very normal, like yeah. she's well, not like... You know, or a jock or a popular girl or in the loser crowd. She's just average. And that's the thing is that she's average. And when she does the voiceovers, do you know how sometimes in a show they do a Mm. voiceover and it's like, woe is me, I have the hardest life ever. She never does that. She Mm. just goes, this is what it's like for me to be in high school. So it's very, I think it's very relatable Mm. in, in that sense. And so essentially what happens is her sister thinks she's a loser and needs more of a social life, her younger sister. So she younger sister's hilarious. <laughs> so good. So she finds these letters and she goes, I'm just going to send it out to all the boys. <gasps> what plot twist? Oh, my. Extra plot twist is that her older sister, who's moved away to college. In Scotland. In Scotland, <laughs> had been dating this boy who's her next door neighbour, who Lara Jean actually currently had a crush on and so his name was Josh and she's like oh my god I love him so much this is really embarrassing and now he has a letter pretty much confessing my love for him but also like sister code like you can't date your sister's ex so she's seeing it this is a huge problem Mm. another boy who gets a letter who is now my (laughs) the standard of which I will hold all men to Peter Kavinsky so wait is he the one who's dating her former best friend Yes. So he's dating her former best friend and the former best friend is now like the mean girl of the school. (laughs) So she's pretty much made like gone out of her way to make Lara Jean on the social outsiders. So Peter Kavinsky gets a letter and actually goes up to Lara Jean and that's the first time she's learnt that her letters are out. And so she tells he tells her and she faints and it's hilarious. And then he like she comes to it. He's she's like, What do you, what what what's going on? And he's like, I'm just telling you, like, I don't like you in that way. But what happens is the sister's ex-boyfriend comes along and she's like Lara Jean freaks out. So she kisses Peter Kavinsky. So it makes it seem like, oh, I'm obviously not interested in the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend that she is interested in. I'm now interested in this guy. And so then what happens is Peter Kavinsky, as you said, has just broken up with her ex-best friend. This is all getting very confusing. (laughs) Um, And Lara Jean is like still trying to get sister's ex-boyfriend not to think that she's in love with him. Holy moly. So they come up. Such a triangle. They come up with this plot to um, start fake dating so that puts everyone of like one he's like Peter Kavinsky's motives is that he wants to make his ex jealous and then she will take him back and Lara Jean's motives is she just wants Josh not to think that she's interested and all will be well yeah um, of course, what ends up happening is that they end up, you know, actually liking each other because it's a rom-com. But of course, there's like that third, you know, that thing where they actually break up when they don't break up. But, you know, there's a bit of conflict and then mm. they come back together. But one of the great things, which is very much like the Kevin Kwan crazy rich Asian story of when, you know, he optioned his movie for a dollar because he wanted to keep creative control, mm. is the author, um, Jenny Han. Yes. Yeah. I literally, you said that about I five know. minutes ago. <laughs> and every time I say it, I go, I've made it up. 
Jenny Hahn, actually, the reason why she went with the studio who ended up making it was because they were the only ones who didn't want to change the lead character to be a white girl. Oh, my gosh. So in the movie, she's part Korean. And that's what actually makes her really relatable and enjoyable. And even as the family dynamic, like the mother dies and the white dad, he tries to make Korean classics for the family and then it just all goes to hell. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's actually what makes that Korean, like that rich family history as it's being like woven into the story actually is what makes... I think, like, gives it that little extra level of it. But, yeah, Jenny Han was she, – she went with a studio, the only one who said, hey, we won't turn your lead character white and the family white. And so she was like, okay, cool, we'll go with you. And she was even saying that, like – even the day before filming started, she yeah. was still nervous that they were going to change out the actors. Wow. Yeah. It's just ridiculous to think – that that's happening and yet now at the moment in the US because not in Australia um, Crazy Rich Asians yeah. is breaking the box office. Exactly. And I think Hollywood like oh oh look at this. Yeah. And everyone's like we've been telling you for years, decades. <laughs> so long. So long. Now that you're just catching on they're like yeah. well there's a new market. What? What? Yeah. And oh. And this is the kind of crazy thing. And in the same sense that Crazy Rich Asians was based on a book, um, To All the Boys I've Loved Before is also based on a book. Both books were very popular mm. with Asians as the protagonists, as the central characters. So why do you go, it's popular with it, I know, we'll just change a very fundamental part of what makes this book so great and what everyone is obviously resonating to mm. and we're just going to change the characters. Because audience may resonate about it because they're not Asian. Yeah. They, it's like, <laughs> no, we are here. We've been waiting for so and Yeah, and this is the thing. So it's like I imagine that right now in like to be Asian and to feel just so seen because you've got like crazy rich Asians and then you've got this really popular movie as well with yeah. um, Lena Condor plays Lara Jean mm. and I think she's half Malaysian, half, oh no, I started and then I was like, no, I'm actually not sure. But the thing is, is like so many people have watched this and gone, not only is it a great movie, it's a great popular movie and it's showing like all kinds of acceptance, like this is all good. So, But it's just the, the average life of, yeah, like in this case, an Asian American teenager. Mm. And it's like, it's not making a big deal about the migrant family. I know, yeah. <laughs> like you always get when you do finally get mm. a movie focused on that. It's yeah. like, yes about the migrant experience, how not fitting in. It's like, no, they've, 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 yeah. they, this is just them trying to get through high school. And it was the same with Love, Simon. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, it was just showing the queer experience and it wasn't like tragic coming out. It was literally just like, yeah. I have a very normal family yeah. with parents who really love each other and really great friends. Yeah. And it, it's, it's totally fine. It's like in The Good still, Fight. Yeah. Like, um, Maya, she's in a lesbian relationship with Amy, but mm. at no point is like has a storyline being, and this was what Maya's coming out was. No, it was literally coming out. It's like yeah. trauma. No, it doesn't no, have to be trauma. <laughs> it literally is like no one acknowledges. It's just like Maya's one of the central characters, and her partner's Amy. So she's a cool. lesbian. Cool, cool, cool. Good story. Get on back with the lawyering. Yeah. Um. But it's funny that you were saying because also making news this week was um Kelly Marie Tran yes. and her amazing essay that she wrote for the New York Times, mm. which was kind of in the backlash of the shit. Well, well, like 
earlier this year, mm-hmm. well, no, last year, it was last year, it was a year ago now. Um, so after Star Wars uh, came out, she just got so much flashed, smashed on social yeah. media. And it wasn't because she had did a bad performance. No. It wasn't because of anything of that kind. It was just because people were being sexist and racist. Yeah. So they just pretty much said, no, an Asian can't do this in this yeah. movie, none of this kind of movie. And it was, she was honestly like the first Asian actress to be, appear on Vanity Fair. Yeah. The cover. Yeah. Cover. <laughs> Which is huge. And this. And yeah. yeah. And what was so annoying is. Um, her character, Rose Tico, is yeah. that people were like, oh, no, we didn't have an issue with her. We just had an issue with the character. And the character was Asian. And it's like, it's well, like, then, <laughs> what? You are having the same <laughs> issue. Like, it's exactly you, the same thing. It is exactly the same thing. And yeah. this is Star Wars. It is set yeah. in a galaxy far, far freaking away. You have Stone. no issue with yeah. the alien, the, the multiple types of alien. Yeah. Like, Jabba the Heart. You have no issue with that. But you have an issue that out of the humans... This one is Asian. Yeah. It and is sucked. And she had the most wholesome Instagram. It was literally just joy of her doing yeah. normal things, like getting and, ready for an event because she yeah. was so excited. She was actually going to an event. Yeah. Never dreamed she'd be there. Mm. And, you know, and they just had to pile on the racist yeah. shit. And she literally just got all this shit. Like, and mm. to, you understand where she just goes, I'm just going to shut down my Instagram because it's like, if I don't give you the platform, then you can't do that. But essentially, like, it was taken away from her. So in this New York Times essay, she talks about being Asian and essentially, like, having to hide her Asianness, not mm. because, like, she wanted to, but because she thought that maybe she would have an easier life. Like, she wouldn't be as ashamed, well, not ashamed, but made to feel shame for the fact that that was going on Mm. and the fact that, you know, you didn't see as like she would have been a young actor. She didn't see Asians on screen. And if she did, they were in those very stereotypical roles of, you know, migrant family, but not the lead characters. It's like side best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Supporting the maid. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's, yeah, it is so frustrating. But yeah, she kind of, in her essay, she kind of writes, the reason why I went off those platforms wasn't because of the abuse itself. It's because I started believing it. Exactly. And I think that that's the problem is after you start seeing, like seeing and hearing it, then you do start questioning, well, maybe something is wrong with me. Mm. Maybe if I change, and she was saying like, maybe if I lose weight or maybe if I grow my hair or maybe if I try and be less Asian, Mm. then I won't get this. And it's just like, no, the problem is with the other people. But I really loved the bit at the end because she talks about also how her mum and dad anglicised their names mm. in an in an effort to fit in. And even her herself as you, Kelly, is yeah. not her birth name. So I just love the bit at the end where she writes, you might know me as Kelly. I am the first woman of colour to have a leading role in the Star Wars movie. I am the first Asian woman to appear on the cover of Vanity Fair. My real name is Loan and I'm just getting started. And it just goes, oh, she is about to shake shit up. Holy shit, that was such a powerful statement. Yeah. And it's so true. Like, it's, like Asian Americans and Asian Australians, I feel, have had basically Asians living in Western countries. Yeah. They have a, such a similar experience mm. of, like, you grow up, everyone either laughs at your food, your parents' accent, yeah. or, like, the way you dress or whatever. And then suddenly yeah. it's like, okay, I'm going to try and make myself really white. Yeah. So you Which s- is outrageous. And it's 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 an issue now because like every time I visit like my rallies, they're like you have the worst Vietnamese, and I'm like, 
Yeah. Because I just actively stopped talking Vietnamese to my parents and just started talking to English. Yeah. And then after a while, it just stuck as English. And that was that. Yeah. And it's, and and it's frustrating because as you grow older, you're like, why did I do that? Mm. And it's so, you get so annoyed at your, you know, teenage whatever self. Yeah. But it's like, well, now I'm here. How do I re-embrace my yeah. culture? And yeah. it's actually really hard. Because you never connected with it and then you've missed out on like even key opportunities with like, you know, yep. some of like your grandmother or whatever because you just don't know the language anymore yep. because you just try to cut it out thinking if I'm more white, I'll be a model minority, things will be great. And the the worst part of it is like the cost is only on you mm. because the reality is, is that you not speaking Vietnamese makes no difference to how someone's going to view you on the street. No. It's not as if they're going to go. Asian. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I mean. Like in terms yeah. of the cost, the cost is all on you is like you lose your culture because you're trying to rebel to say, no, I fit in. I'm like, mm. I'm in your cookie cutter of how you want me to be. Yeah. And people are still like, no, nope, not good enough. Yeah. And it's like, you know, oh, if you go tutoring, like, you know, we go to soccer practice and you're like, mom, can I stop going tutoring and stop being a nerd? so I can go to like soccer practice with these kids like no <laughs> no <laughs> that is not the life yeah and then I think it's like a lot harder in an old like when you're older to try and then re-embrace a culture it is hard and yeah. especially with language and language acquisition because language acquisition is so much easier when you're a child yes oh and God. once it's all like fem- like fermented <laughs> cemented <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. Just propping up around. (laughs) Turning into some kind of vodka. I don't know. But yeah, once it's yeah, but once it cements in your head as a child who can speak languages, like it would have just been second nature because that's what it should have been. And it was when you were a kid. And then when you start making those choices to stop. Yeah. Like and that's when you that's when all your language linguistics kind of stop sticking. Yeah. Because that's when you're a teenager. Yeah. And then you just want to shake your teenage self, go, what was wrong with you? It's like, oh, everything. <laughs> but it's it was like societal had, pressure. But, you know, had these things been there, like all the boys that I've loved before, yeah. Crazy Rich Asian, oh, had that absolutely. been there when I was a teenager, I would have probably just been like, actually, it's not that bad being an Asian. Yeah. And that's the thing is that, that you're constantly fighting mm. against a world that obviously tells you that you're other. Yeah. And and not ever doing it very explicitly and being like, Sophie, lie. Sophie, Sophie, you're another. Like, mm. you don't belong. Like, no one ever does that. Mm. But it's in the very, like, of not being seen and not being represented on TV yeah. that you go, oh, well, there's no place for me there. Like, you're not the desirable mm. or no. someone who looks like you is not the desirable lead and it's not the strong lead. You're the comedic sidekick or the help Well, or that's just it like when that. people are like, oh, yeah, you're only Asians. We know it's like Lee Lin Chin. And then you're just like, but Lee Lin Chin. But is the thing, though, growing up, I'm like, the Lee Lin Chin's too out there. Yeah. That's not my, yeah. She's not me. Yeah. I mean, I wish I was her grow- like yeah. having grown up and I'm like, oh, she's amazing. Yeah. But back when you're a kid, you're like, I don't want to be that old lady. Mm. And, <laughs> and the funny thing is, is like when you come from a, like a minority that doesn't get represented, like you will take anything. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean with like crazy rich Asians? You're like, 
I don't care if you're not Vietnamese. You're Asian, and therefore you're in my you're like you're in my I mean, box that, that I would need much, that's, to tick. That's yeah. just all pretty much East Asian. Yeah. I'm like I'm Southeast Asian, and I don't care. <laughs> and that's the thing, though, is that you literally go, I don't care because I see myself in that person. Like this is why I often like I just keep bringing up Moana. Was Moana, it like that for you? Yeah, Moana is not even from some. She's just somewhere in the Pacific, Pacific. <laughs> like broad, somewhere in the Pacific, and yet I am like oh my God, she's like me. And the funniest moment that I had in Moana, which was the real moment where I was like, oh my God, Mm. I'm finally being seen on the big screen and in pop culture, is like Moana goes to fight um, the demigod, like Tefiti, who's now Mm -hmm. changed, but rah, rah, rah. And she puts her hair up in a high bun. And I was like, I put my hair up in a high bun. Like this is what's (laughs) going on. And it's so funny. Like I've spoken to so many other like Polynesian women and not just like I'm Samoan, but like I've spoken to Maori women and Tongan women and Fiji women and everyone's just like, when Moana puts her hair up into a butt. And I was like, yes, yes. And it's just like that very simple moment where you just have someone who's vaguely from the Pacific (laughs) and you're just like, yes, I am being seen. But Moana, it's, it's an animation. So has that, so has that been like actual live action of, that kind of that shows that kind of representation of um, Polynesian well, people. Well, see, and that's the thing, and it's kind of like I have the extra hard thing of being half Italian as well. So, like, I'm I know I'm never going to get like my whole person represented. I Take know what that. You can get. I know that. <laughs> Unless, of course, somehow I get a like a movie made about my life, and then I'll be like, someone, Tyler's available. <laughs> Just let me see myself. But generally, what happens to Polynesians on screen, like? is that they're in the funny role mm-hmm. or the once were warriors kind of Maori, like let's go into fight scenes. It's, it's So the rock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like either action fighting violence or comedy. Yeah. It's like you very re- rarely play a romantic lead, mm-hmm. very rarely. And this is what's so funny too is because I am like obviously from – some or having like darker skin color is that I would then take watching because I was like I'm never going to see myself so I would just take it as as a if a black woman is seen desirable like that was a win for me as well and I'm just like it was just like someone brown you're like yes I'll take that (laughs) that's me I could be that person Deb Patel he's South Asian I'll take that I'll take it like Rachel off suits I thought that that was a game changer I was just like oh my god We've kind of got the same skin colour and Mike likes her. This is a good thing for me. And I was like, we're not the same person. No. Obviously, because she's now a princess. But, you know. But the, facing a whole different set of issues. But yeah. Like, you the know. thing is, is you've got like a whole audience out there who are desperate to be seen. Mm. And they will literally latch on to anything. Mm. So... The thing is, is because they are so desperate to be seen, they are so desperate to latch on to anything, that is literally dollars at the box office. And that's why Crazy Rich Asians has done so well because you've got so many people who are like, finally, I get to watch this. I get to go see it. And they will support it. Like, we will support it. I just love that Netflix just put out this drum come thinking, you cute. Whatever. Well, it's been like trending for like a week and a half. I know. On all social media because people can't get enough of it. My friend was an office production assistant 
Mm. Um, and she gets, you know, her name in the titles of To All the Boys I've Loved Before. So you're like fame and fame. And so I had like watched the movie, of course, obsessed over it and loved it mm. and sent her a message. And I was like, oh, my God, Tessa, that movie is the best. I love it so much. And she's like, it's so funny because we all just thought it was this nothing movie. And she's worked on bigger movies and like helped out. And she's like the hype for the bigger movies compared to this movie was nothing. But they're all just sitting around just going, this was way bigger than we ever thought it was when we were making it. And it was simply because the lead yeah. Yeah. was a person of colour. Yeah. And a relatable person and a nice person and it's a nice movie. It's like it wasn't the popular girl. It yeah. wasn't a stereotype. Oh, it's just a jock. Yeah. It's a sexy girl. It's, it was just literally, I'm an average student. Yeah. Yes. I think it was Alana Bennett, but I may have made that up on mm. Twitter, who once did this thing, this thread about what makes a good rom-com lead, like a male rom-com lead. And essentially what she says makes a good romantic comedy that people will love is if the male lead looks the way that he looks at the female lead and she was like, it's just this gin and you'll watch the movie and you'll just be like, Peter Kavinsky really looks at her <laughs> like in a way that you're just like, I want to be looked at like that. Like and the way, um, what's his face? Colin Firth. Oh my God. In, <laughs> in Pride and Prejudice. You mean yes. that look? <laughs> it's, it's that look. And that's what I think that's what she means in like in what makes a rom-com mm. is because rom-coms are intrinsically corny and cheesy and they are just, yeah, you watch them and you go, I know how this is going to end. Mm. Like the boy and the girl are going to fall for each other. Like I already know the ending. The reason why you watch it is because of your suspending belief that that might be, that might be able to happen to you. So when you see that look mm. <laughs> where you just go, yes. You guys really, I'm buying this because there have been some terrible rom-coms where you're like, there is no chemistry. There have been so many terrible, which is why there was like a bit of like, everyone's like, it's a bit of a death of a rom-com in a way, but it feels like Netflix is reviving that. I think they are too. Especially with like movies like this, they had set it up um, with two leads, like both leads were people of color, like an Asian and a black man. Like, it's like, oh my God, you're changing the game, Netflix. Now, big studios, you do actually do big screen stuff. Catch up because yeah. Netflix, it's just your regular subscription. And the thing is, is people like, watch it. Yeah. yeah, and we're watching it. It's like we're not going out to the movies, but people yeah. are actually going out to the movies yeah. to break office, like box office records so they can see more of it. Exactly. Exactly. Like, They're, yeah, people have got motives now when they watch. Like Ken Jeong, who's in Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. He's been doing publicity for it, but he was just at a movie theatre and saw these bunch of Asian guys who were going to see The Meg, which is the shark, <laughs> the movie, shark movie starring Jason... Um, Jason Statham, and he convinced them to go see <laughs> Crazy Rich Asians instead. Not very hard, mind you. And they literally tore it up in front, like tore up their tickets to the Meg in front of them and went back and bought tickets to Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> Could you just imagine if Kenji came up to you while you were at the movies? Oh hey, my God. Would you, would you, he's so funny and smart. He's, well, he's a doctor. Like, I know. He's a doctor. I think in one of his live stand-ups, someone had a heart attack or something, and he actually saved their life because <laughs> he's a qualified doctor. And he's still, like, technically a practicing doctor. Yeah, he never, he never yeah. got his license revoked, and he re- renews it all the time. Yeah. Outrageous. And he's so funny. He's so funny. Well, he was like, I turned to comedy because his wife had breast cancer. Yeah. So he tried to, like, make her laugh to get through the treatment. What a joy. Yeah. What a joy. So, and then people, real, and then, you know, that kind of extent to other people who are yeah. like, you're really funny. You should do this for a living. 
which is how he's got a break because it was honestly him trying to make his wife laugh while she was going through cancer treatment. Him in Community is, I think, his my favourite. And this is Community, another great show. Why? Because it had 10 different, like, every type of person in there. It really did, didn't it? Yeah. And not in a, like, try-hard way. No, it just they just like were. happened. They just it's like were. the good place. Mm. Again, just this mix. Mix. No one no one blinks an eye. Yeah. It's just how it is because that's how society is. <sighs> Game changing. Game changing. We should write a TV show. We should. That'd be amazing. Speaking of game changing, this was game changing back in the day. It's a bit old school. Would you call it old school? It's one of those things that I would call it old school because it feels like it happened to me when I was in a different time of my life. But I mean, it still happened within the past 10 years, yeah, 10 or so years. Yeah. So I'm going to say old school because it was probably when I was at school and therefore yeah. feels right. That's Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars. I loved that show. Mm. Like, it was so, so good. Kristen Bell as the kind of Nancy Drew character who was solving the, essentially, it started out pretty bleak when you think about it. The first episode. Oh, my gosh. First episode of date rape. Exactly. Getting sexually assaulted at a party. And then her doing her best, like, Nancy Drew. It's like, it happened when I was at school. I'm going to find the person who did it. And it's like, it's sad that she has to kind of, also go to those measures. I know. It is. <laughs> Even though her dad is the cop of the local sheriff's like, nah. Look, in hindsight, I never really picked that up. <laughs> I was just like, oh, naturally, you want to find out what happened. You go you. But yeah, yeah. look, maybe she should have gone to the police and do it. But uh, I think that would have been a totally different show. Probably. Possibly mm. she just had no faith. <laughs> exactly. And I think that there's also the thing that, that the running theme through Veronica Mars was this sense of justice, mm. is that she wanted justice to be served. And by her doing the work, it was also like, I feel like, not that I was Veronica Mars, but I feel like she would have thought it was quite a cathartic process to go through the dealing with what happened to her, mm. to go through the steps of this, to find out the person and then bring them to justice and then yay. And obviously in doing so, she crea- that show created such a huge loyal fan base of marshmallows. Oh, marshmallows. So I love, cute. I like it. I love a fandom with a fun name. Marshmallows is good. What are other good fandom names? Oh, that's a good question. My like my head just went to Lady Gaga. <laughs> Little monsters. Yeah. Cuz Doctor Who are Whovians. Whovians. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where is oh. Like Oh my god, why am I I'm like not thinking of I'm just thinking of singers and I just went to Justin Bieber. They're called Believers. Believers. <laughs> I mean, what is it? Benedict Cumberbatch. Ah, uh, he used to be like the Cumberbitches. The, the Cumberbitches. Yeah. Until he actually said, "Hey guys, don't refer to yourself as that," that. which is like. So they've on. got a new name, but I don't know what the new name is. <laughs> Although Chris Pine, his were the, the Pine Nuts. Oh, see, that's fun. <laughs> I think that's the good thing. Like, if you've got a fun name that mm. you can work into your yeah. fandom, if not, you have to create it and then hope it catches on. Mm. Um, but the excitement of Veronica Mars is potentially. Actually, reboot by Hulu. I know. Although Hulu, Hulu have not come out and confirmed this yet. No. But, you know, that has not stopped the fandom of marshmallows being like, yay, Hulu, thank you, well done. But it's like, yeah, they're like, I think it's because mainly the producers 
Yeah. Not, I mean, because Hulu will be the distributor, but it's yeah. like the producer's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to reboot this. Yeah, yeah, we're totally up for it. Yeah, Kirsten Bell's totally coming back. Yeah, well, and this <laughs> is the thing is like Kirsten Bell has joked and being like, it's going to be like, what was it, Murder She Wrote or something when mm. she's 80 to reprise the character. <laughs> so <laughs> She'll be Miss Marple. <laughs> so lucky for us, like Veronica Mars is not going to end anytime soon. And mm. the fact is that the fandom still love it so much mm. that, and they like, the movie that came out in 2014, they were the ones who were like behind that. So I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I feel that, that even though Kirsten Bell jokes about still being Veronica Mars at 80, is that she will she be because will will be, <laughs> we will still be there in the petitions going, yes, we want more Veronica Mars. But I think someone asked like, oh, but why do you need a Veronica Mars right now? And they're like, well, um, yeah. Look at what's happening. Uh, men are still shit. <laughs> I think was the direct quote. <laughs> How funny would that be? I'm just going to go outside and check the temperature of what's going on out there. Yep, men are still shit. Let's, let's, it's still relevant. Still relevant. If anything, just play the old episodes. Pretend you just released it this year. Boom. I know. Oh, can we, can we Photoshop that, that phone into an iPhone? Okay, great. No, make sure it's a 10, not a 6. Okay, cool. We're good. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> totally back up to date. It's all good. <laughs> oh, yeah, because all her little... Anyway, the naughty fashion's coming back. We're fine. We're fine. <laughs> all her little investigative, like, this is how I do things, mm. it would totally be changed in this new high-tech world. I'm pretty sure there was an... The hacking. Oh, could you imagine? I remember an episode of Veronica Mars, and mm. I'm pretty sure this happened or I dreamed it, but I'm pretty sure it happened, where her dad was explaining to her about passwords and how you have to make them super complex. And so she's having this dialogue going, oh, I know that these passwords are really complex, so she had to actually find someone's password. And then I remember looking at it and I was like, no one makes passwords that difficult ever. Is his still most top like two is still yeah. QWERTY yes. <laughs> and password <laughs> by old parents. <laughs> but wasn't one like one, two, three, four, five, six. It was like yeah. sequential numbers, letters, but then yeah, QWERTY or password. Yeah. I remember So clever. <laughs> so clever. I would be hacked in a heartbeat because I know that safety is have different passwords, but I'm like, no, nope, same one for everything. I'm lazy. Yeah, same. It's just like, I'm like, well, you can hack it, but you won't get much out of I this know, account is well, what I feel. <laughs> so bad. Don't hack me, please. <laughs> and everyone's on their computers going, oh, and her computer's really shit. So it takes her a while to like fire back anything. This is genius. Oh. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for a reboot. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things. I like. Do you feel like sometimes we get a bit of reboot fatigue? Like totally. excitement because there's always something that's like, they're going to reboot it. Well, that's just it. It's like, are there no original ideas left? Well, and this is like, yeah. And I, then they everyone's too scared to take a risk on yeah, something, new something new that's out there that challenges the status quo. They're like, no, no, just reboot. It's reboot, reboot, yep. reboot. Nostalgia, nostalgia. It's, but it's like, yeah. there's so much nostalgia one can take. Yeah. Or you can go like, you know, the Stranger Things route, mm. which is like nostalgia, but something completely new and different. different. Yeah. And I think that that's the problem with the reboot and how like with reboot fatigue is that you you run the very real risk of ruining the thing that people love. Mm. And therefore, once they don't, they just go, oh, no, it's stupid. You've probably already committed to a season or you've committed to all this extra stuff. Mm. So I think that sometimes they actually have to look at and go, is this in the best interest of what the original idea was? And 
what are we what are we trying to do right now? But it's also can you keep it fresh and new? Exactly. With storylines that actually evolve. It's like when they brought Will and Grace back and then the final episode that they they summed it all up and then in the first episode of the reboot they were like, Oh, it all just happened to be Karen's crazy dream And it's like there are only so many times you can say it was a dream before audiences are like, No, stop it. Stop it now. And like I don't know, everyone's like everyone wanted to see the season come back. I'm like yeah. yeah, it was fun, but it wasn't anything spectacular mm. out of that Will and Grace yeah. season. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I remember being obsessed with One Tree Hill when it was out, like, buying all the DVDs because oh, that's how you. you used to watch it. Oh, and yes. then binging it right after the Oof. other. And so there's a part of me that would go, One Tree Hill, that's exciting. But there's also a part of me that just goes, I wouldn't watch it. Like, that was a time of my life where I needed Chad Michael Murray. And I've very aggressively moved on from that time. <laughs> To be fair, I still do binge the OC. Oh. <laughs> it just ages Look, really well, fine. okay? Seth Cohen will forever be like... I liked Seth Cohen in the beginning when I first started, when I was like a 14-year-old kid. Yep. Like second, third rewatching, I'm like, I'm a total Ryan girl. How did oh, I like Seth? Really? See, this is my... like. I'm worried. It's like the Gilmore Girls when they remade that and you realised how terrible Lorelai and Rory were. Oh, my God. They are but, awful people. <laughs> I, that's and they keep complaining like their mum is awful. I'm like, you are you awful. You guys are awful. awful. Yeah. That's why I don't want to watch the OC anymore. I prefer Seth Cohen to be this god. <laughs> he was awful. No, don't do it, Sophie. He was awful. I stand by that comment. No. Seth would never do me like that. He treated Summer awfully. Oh, he did. And you know, no, (laughs) as soon as I started thinking about it, I was, it was a bit creepy that he named his boat after her and didn't actually, like, hadn't spoken like three words to her the whole time. Yeah. And then when Ryan, she was hitting on Ryan, like he got really, really upset and then like punched Ryan. You're like, mate. She hasn't spoken to you in four or five years. She's shown interest in another guy. You let him be. I just remembered that (laughs) Seth was also like really terrible to Anna. Do you remember Samir Armstrong who played Anna and I loved her so much? Yeah. And then he just was like, oh, my God, two girls like me because Rachel Bilson, obviously, summer, <laughs> Rachel Bilson. Well, technically in real life, Rachel Bill Bilson, Bilson did like Adam Brody. But, like, summer liked Seth. So Seth was like, oh, what's this? Like, nerdy me has two girls after me. And then he was dating Anna. Yeah. But then pretty much being like, I'm still in love with Summer because I will always be. It's like, why did you choose Anna then? Exactly. And then remember, like, because one the of the girls had the thing, like, you have to choose yeah. But the thing I love about the OC Ugh. was like they didn't pit the girls against each other because well, the girls just went, you know what, screw you, Cohen, and became besties. <laughs> but they did have – do you remember like it was his birthday or it was Halloween because oh, Anna drew him essentially his own comic, comic book, book, but then Summer, Summer dressed up as, as Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. <laughs> what a time. What a time. There was actually a lot of comic book references in that because of Seth's love of comic yeah, books. Yeah, it was because that was Josh. Well, this is the thing. The OC happened. Well, Seth is Seth because Josh Schwartz wanted to see himself on screen. The creator. Because he was a that Jewish was like, nerd growing up in California. Oh, so that's all. So yeah. cre- well, I think that the OC, though, had the best music supervisor, Alex Parts of Us. <laughs> she changed the-, the game for, like... Music on television. Yeah, totally. Because at first people were like, I never care about the music. It's, it's music, whatever. It's background. It's whatever. Mm. But the like that 
soundtrack is still probably one of the best soundtracks. Oh, absolutely. Do you know what? I went on this date once with this guy and yeah. he was very like, do you know that kind of indie, you yep. know, like, uh-huh. oh, I really like this song. And I was like, oh, I know this song. And it was, it was like, they played another one. And I think that he was trying to be like, it's obscure. No one knows about it. And I was like, oh, I know this song. Oh, I know this song. He's like, how? And I was like, um, the OC soundtrack. <laughs> That was it, but just everyone going, yeah. like, Imogen Heap. <laughs> oh, my God. Had it all, like, yeah. Uh, there like was Baby some... Killers used to be on it. Like, you s- there's an yeah. episode in season two where Brendan Flowers comes out and he's, like, the chubbiest little yes. little baby yeah. coming out on stage. And that was the magic of that. And then I think that, like, once other TV shows really realised the mm. power that it had. Like, I often think of Grey's Anatomy. Like yeah. Snow Patrol literally oh got a revival because of um, Grey's Anatomy and playing songs during like you know yeah. pivotal moments. The fray, how to save a life, yeah, total thing, yeah, like <laughs> number one for so long just because of Grey's. Oh my! But goodness. it was like oh my god, they really did learn to capture yeah music. Exactly. I remember I was working in a music store and mm. Snow Patrol, like, were no one. There was one CD that was ordered because they were nobody. And then their song played. Which one was it? It was the Eyes Open. With your eyes open? No. Eyes Wide Open. No, no. maybe it wasn't that one. It, it was, was a sad song one. Mm. Where I think, oh, someone died. Anyway. I know the song you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I'm humming it's, it in my head. I'm not going to hum it for no, you. No, hum it out <laughs> loud because then I'll get there too. Oh, if I lay here, if I just lay here. I wasn't going to sing because I can't actually remember the lyrics and I'm like, someone's going to call me out on this shit. I'm just going to hum it. Would you lie with me? Yeah, that song. That song. The next day after that Grey's episode, people came in and they're like, I don't know the name of this song, but it goes like this. And I was like, was it on Grey's Anatomy Life Night? And they were like, yes. So then we Googled it and I was like, oh, it's Snow Patrol. And the first person who came in got the album because there was only one. (laughs) And then for the rest of the day and then the next few months, it was like the Snow Patrol song. And I was like, it's only on the album. And it would literally... What then happened is because the music store I was mm. working on was at Virgin is that they realised that across all the Virgins, everyone was just either asking for Snow Patrol or ordering Snow Patrol that we just got like 12 billion copies of this album and people were like, they could not get it fast enough. Oh, power of music. Mm. I'm so sad that I f- nearly forgot that. If I lay here. Oh my God. <laughs> Keep singing, Tali. <laughs> What's that song called? And just forget, forget the world. Forget what, what we we're told before we get chasing cars. Chasing cars. It was something really obscure. It was chasing cars. <laughs> oh, because I was about to say, doesn't Adele have a song called Chasing Cars? But that's chasing pavements. Yeah, they're chasing something. Yeah. Yes, but they also have a song called like with my eyes open and my. There's something about it's called eyes open. Yeah, yeah. you're right. So that was just like Gordia. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the power of music Mm. on TV shows and scores in movies as well. Totally. But do you think now, since the OC, that now they're actually proper curating a real soundtrack? I mean, even like before, even before the OC, Romeo plus Juliet. Yes. Yes. 
Yes. Yes. Because that was amazing. That was so amazing. Radiohead, I'm like, hello. (laughs) I'm laughing that my head went to Prince and Quinn and Tava, like when doves cry. Oh, my gosh. I saw him when he came to Sydney. It was amazing. He started crying because before he even, like, sang a single note, everyone just clapped and couldn't stop clapping. Like, dead set just clapping for about two minutes straight. Really? And he he was so overwhelmed that he just started crying. Oh, my God. so beautiful. (laughs) It's literally the dumb's crying, but it's not. It's, it's not. him. It's Quentin Tava crying. Quentin Tava crying. But it's just like the pa- the fact that there was just yeah. a, a room at the end mall, like the whole room was just clapping before this guy even sings a single note because that song meant so much to yep. them when he sang it. That's so powerful. Yeah. There was a show. Oh, I was like, there was a show recently where I went, oh, don't know how I'm feeling about the show, but really loving the soundtrack. It was Handmaid's Tale season two. <laughs> <laughs> that episode where she's singing there to her baby. Mm. Oh, there's a part of me that's like, don't remember what the song is because you'll get it stuck in your head because it was literally stuck in my head for the longest time. <laughs> it was, oh, no, now I'm going to think of it. I'm not going to be there. Mm. It's like, oh, uh, no, no. Nothing is coming. All right. But now I'm still going to think about it. So if I just randomly break into song, it'll be that's why. Okay. All right then. (laughs) Wow, we digressed. I know. (laughs) How did that start? I feel like this always happens on casual (laughs) gigs. Like, yeah, we've got a set plan. I'm going to talk about these things. And now we're talking about soundtracks. (laughs) Great soundtracks. Good soundtrack. Love a good soundtrack. Something about but a baby thing, and looking at you. <laughs> Although apparently um, tra- for Crazy Rich Asians, yeah. their soundtrack, people are raving about <gasps> it. Um, they're all by Asian or Asian-American artists, aside from like two people, including Miguel. Oh, my God. Oh, babe. <laughs> You're living your best life. Oh, but like, yeah. So they're kind of singing in language or do, redoing it in their own way. So they... So Coldplay, um, they wanted to sing Yellow by Coldplay. Yeah. And Coldplay were like, no, we're not going to give you the rights because we don't want to be seen as like, you know, racist. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because they're like, this is a song about being a bit depressed and seeing how the world's all yellow. They're like, oh, no, we don't want to say like, you're being swamped by (laughs) anything. It's a different, no. But then like, the, like. The filmmaker, John Chu, he was like, no, no, like, you understand, like, we want to reclaim Yellow for ourselves. Oh, did they let him? And they let him, and it's sung by a Cantonese singer, so she sings in language and parts of it in English. Oh, my goodness. So it's a bit of, a mix. Yeah. That sounds cool as hell. Yeah, and that's, like, the big wedding song in the film, so... Oh my god, I can't wait to see it next week. Oh my god. I feel like we've been talking about Crazy Rich Asians a lot these past few weeks. For the longest time. And it's finally out next week, so you'll get a review next week and you might hear a bit of a gush fest, but (laughs) it's finally hell. (laughs) It's finally hell, guys. I'm excited because it's hell. It's hell. Yeah, no, I support it. Mm. I'm very excited. I'm now just trying to think of that song from the thing. She's (laughs) looking at the baby and she's singing it. And it's something like, I only to d- d- be with you. That's it. And it's kind of funny because, like, it's the most depressing show in the world. 
<laughs> but I was watching it with my roommate and that's the final thing that it ends with is that she's singing this to her baby who yeah. they thought was going to die and it's like everything's all right. And then we both like, you know, went to our respective rooms after watching it and all of a sudden you could just hear because I started something, I'll catch you, see. Gaggle of gigs, karaoke edition, it's coming. It's really going to annoy me that now I've just put that back in my head. So everyone's welcome. Earworm for your head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tali, let's leave it at that. Let's. Because we're about to enter delirium mode. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because it's true. (laughs) Next week, we'll definitely be chatting more about Crazy Rich Asians. Yes, we will. And how pretty everyone is. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Sophie will probably come in with a T-shirt with hearts. I've already got my caption sorted for when I see it with all my Asian buddies. Oh. It's going to be a bunch of crazy average Asians seeing crazy rich Asians. <laughs> I love it in my head. I was like, oh, I was something about a swamp. <laughs> I could be. It could be. It's a swamp. Just You're a bunch a of crazy woman. average Asians swamping crazy rich Asians. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. Anywho. Yeah. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Sophie. Do you want to tell people where they can listen to this? Oh, they can. Yes. <laughs> Hi. You can listen to all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes and Wooshka and Google Podcasts and everywhere else. We're there. We're here to stay. Hi. <laughs> Definitely the delirium moment. Charlie's <laughs> crying. I just remembered how we started this. I was like, this is our second take. <laughs> Hey, Sophie, do you want to tell people how they can listen to <laughs> Yeah, I am crying. This needs to stop. <laughs> Not many edits go into this, so hey. <laughs> what you hear is what you get. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to wash down this mic for the next person because it's going to have tears on it. I'm not happy note. Happy note. Happy geeking, everyone. Have a good week. Um... We'll probably be checking out the new Netflix series by Matt Groening, Disenchantment. No, Abby Jacobson. Mm. Yeah. From um, written, one of the staff writers is one of our very own Australians. Oh. Briggs. Yes. He's amazing in black comedy, so I'm interested <laughs> to see what he does in this. I am I think it's going to be funny, except my problem is, is like, and I'll get over it, but they so much look like Futurama characters. And I know, I know that <laughs> it's from the same guy who does uh, Futurama, duh. but it's just like, it's too futurama for me at the moment. Well, I've seen the first couple of eps and it's, the tone is very not Futurama. Though. No. It's cute. Yeah. I saw this thing where the like the dad was inspecting a wedding cake and the daughters changed a part of the wedding cake. Yeah. But it's I don't know why. It just really made me laugh where he's like, Oh, we'll check the cake. He's like, Yes, this looks good. The <laughs> lattice looks alright. And the structural sounding is very sound. The back of the cake looks alright. And now I'm just gonna quickly glance at the last here because there wouldn't be nothing wrong. And it's like she's changed the words to like get, get bent, bent dad. dad. He's like, What? And I don't know why, but that really entertained me where he was like... That was a Briggs joke. I hope so. Because there was something just very funny about a father looking at the cake going, yes, lattice work is very good. Looks sugarly, structurally sound. I haven't seen it yet, but apart, uh, I've been told there's a, there's a shoey joke. So I'm like, that's definitely from, that's, from that's the That's a Briggs thing. That's definitely a Briggs thing. <laughs>
That is definitely. <laughs> oh dear. Anywho. Okay. See you guys <laughs> next week. We are off to another world. Yes, we are. <gasps> Bye. Bye.